here we go. We're, going, we're coming out of our symphony series, and we're stepping into our series in the book of Revelation. Um, so our last series, we learned how to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. So we're really switching gears here in this uh, Revelation series. And for the next 10 weeks, we're going to be diving in to the book of Revelation. We're going to kind of go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We'll see how far we get before Christmas. Um, this is what I know. We've already, I'm already kind of planning on doing a revamp of this at the beginning of the year because there's so much in the book of Revelation. What I recognize, and really probably what you recognize as well, is there's a lot of questions that our world faces today. There's a lot of questions that you and I are posed with, like what's really going on in our world? If you've read the book of Revelation or you know how the book ends, you're, you're asking yourself these questions like, are, are we in the last days? Or you're asking yourself these questions like, hey, is Jesus really coming back soon? So instead of listening to the news, instead of reading the books that maybe you read as a kid, or watching those movies. Anybody watch the Left Behind series movies? Those scared the nonsense out of me. I don't know why my parents, because we didn't go to church. I guess my parents just thought it was like a horror movie or something. Like, like what, are we, what are we watching? Like, people are going like, to evaporate into the sky. Like, what's going on? Like, clothes are left on the ground everywhere. Like, what, like, what's really going on? But instead of listening to the news, instead of listening to those movies or those books, instead of going down that social media, like, conspiracy theory rabbit trail, Instead of listening to that family member that's watched way too many YouTube videos on how the world's going to end, what if, what if, here, here's the noble thought, what if we actually read the Bible? Yeah. Like, what if we actually looked at what Scripture has to say? See, often we get frustrated because we ask the question, like, man, how, how am I supposed to figure it out? And we try to, like, connect the dots and figure out really what's going on in the book of Revelation. But Scripture gives us a clear roadmap, and we find it in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 13. And it reads like this. Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity, and, that, and all that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God uh, now knows me completely. So over the next several weeks, we're going to take this approach to the book of Revelation, and we're going to approach it humbly, and we're going to approach it openly. We're going to dive in. We're going to ask questions. We're going to see what other scripture has to say about the book of Revelation. Now, I'll give you a caveat uh, starting off today. There's going to be a lot of scripture today, like a lot. So if you're taking notes, not if, like those who are, thank you for taking notes. Those who are taking notes, uh, make sure, man, you, you write those scriptures down so that you can go back and read them later. Hey, and it, it's not going to offend me. Some of you guys, I, I don't have my phone on me, but some of you guys, I see you like pull your phone out and you're like trying to take a picture like inconspicuous of, of like the screens. Listen, just hold your phone up and take a picture of the screen. All right, it's okay. Like if you want those notes, you're more than welcome to do that. But, but even though scripture says that we may see dimly, Scripture also says one day we will see everything with perfect clarity. We'll see everything with perfect clarity. So let's dive into Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, um, go ahead and turn there. If you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, just turn to the back. It's the very last one, all right? So starting in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So, so the book of Revelation, what, what does Revelation even mean? In the original Greek, it means apocalypse. Now, now here, here's where this word makes us a little uneasy. 
Because we read the word or hear the word of apocalypse and we're like, what in the world is going on? Again, if you've watched those left behind movies or you've read the books, it can scare the nonsense out of you. Maybe you've read the book of Revelation before and you started reading, you got through the first three chapters, you got through the seven churches, and then you start reading like seven seals and these angels that have like multiple heads and like there's this flying sword and you're like, what am I reading? Like, like, what's going on? Like, what was John on when he was writing this, right? Like, like, what's really going on in Scripture? Or maybe you've never read the book of Revelation before, and even as I'm talking about this, you're like, I don't know if I want to stay at this church much longer. Like, like what are we diving into? Or, or maybe you're Brian King and Curtis Wise, and you've been waiting for this, this uh, series for the last four months. But this is what I know. Uh, apocalypse, what does the meaning of the word stand for? If we break it down in its original context, it means an uncovering, an unveiling, or a progressive revelation. In its most simple form, it simply means a revealing. So when we read through the book of Revelation, there's something being revealed. What I know is this, this entire book of the Bible is a revealing. So one, there's nothing to be scared of. And two, because it's in the Bible, it's absolutely important to our Christian walk. But it begs the question... What is actually being revealed? What are we actually uncovering? What are we actually unveiling? So that's the question that we're going to start with today. What is being revealed? If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing that's being revealed is this. It's the revelation or the revealing of Jesus Christ. Look at the first five words of the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I just literally took it from Scripture. So let's lay down some foundational components when it comes to reading through the book of Revelation. I think we can apply this 100% without fault. Because this is what I know. Any interpretation of Revelation that does not point to Jesus is not biblical. Any interpretation. That goes for the Bible in its entirety. Any interpretation of the Bible that doesn't point to Jesus simply isn't biblical. The first line of the book says that it's a revealing of Jesus Christ. And and what I don't like is this. Too many people, too many people, if you fall in this camp, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out. But too many people like to emphasize the devil in the book of Revelation. Too too many people are are fascinated with the devil or, or what it's going to look like at the end in the book of Revelation. Zach, what are you talking about? We always ask the question, well, who's the beast? We always ask the question, well, well, what's the mark of the beast? We ask the question like, like, who's the Antichrist? Now, now hear my heart. Is this stuff important? Absolutely, because it's in the book. But, but is it the most important thing? Absolutely not. The most important thing is always Jesus. It says it in the first verse of the book. It's a revealing of Jesus Christ opening our eyes or unveiling who Jesus is to us in the end times. Now hear me, I'm aware of the devil in the book of Revelation, but I'm not focused on it. I'm always focused on Jesus. The the focus has to always be Jesus. Go back to one of the definitions. It's a progressive revelation of who Jesus is. It's a progressive unveiling or revealing of who Jesus is. Listen, anyone that tells you that they've studied and read the book of Revelation and and they're that know-it-all, 
and they tell you that they know exactly what the book of Revelation means, and they tell you that they know exactly when Jesus is coming back, and they tell you that they can't learn anything else from Scripture because they've studied it so much, just run the other way. Like, don't waste your time with them. Because what I understand is this, if it's a progressive revelation, then Jesus is always going to be revealed to me. And I can't fully understand the revelation until I'm standing in front of Jesus. So if anyone tells you that they fully understand what the book of Revelation means, then they've either stood before Jesus and didn't tell anybody, or they don't know what they're talking about. Zach, that's a little harsh. No, I'm going to get real, because if we don't get real, there's too much ambiguity when it comes to this book. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I read it, I'll read it again. Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Paul himself said, listen, all I know is partial and incomplete. This dude walked with Jesus. Well, he tried to kill him, but then he walked with him a little bit. And it's like, man, if, if, he, if he is still learning about who God is, then, then maybe you and I can learn from him. Everything cannot and will not be fully revealed until we stand before Jesus in heaven. Listen, Jesus spends nearly every moment of every day for three and a half years with his 12 disciples. So every meal, every healing, every debate, every journey from town to town. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like if I spent three and a half weeks with the same 12 people, then we've talked about everything we need to talk about. But, but Jesus, after three and a half years, right before he ascends into heaven, he says this. He says, I have so much more to tell you. And again, if you're like me, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, all right, boys, you had me for three and a half years. That's it. That's all I got for you. Like, I don't, I don't, have, any, I don't have anything else. But Jesus says, I have so much more to tell you. It's that progressive revelation. It's a progressive unveiling of who Jesus is. I, I don't know about you, but I, I long for a greater revelation of who Jesus is. I never want to get to a point in my life where I feel like I have it all figured out. I never want to get to a point in my life where, where Scripture isn't coming alive for me. I never want to get to a point in my life where I'm not diving in to understand who Jesus truly is. And that means studying the Bible in its entirety. That means working hard to uncover the mysteries that are between the pages. And that means trusting and following the Holy Spirit. That means walking through this progressive revelation or progressive revealing of who Jesus is. So again, we started with the question, what else is being revealed? Well, Scripture says that last day events are being revealed. Finish verse 1, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. The things that must soon take place. That means there are going to be things that take place in the end times that, that Jesus is revealing to us. But but we have a couple of challenges when it comes to the book of Revelation. Because what we understand historically is that Revelation is not written chronologically. I, I don't know if you remember this, but years ago, this is when I was younger. Uh, some of you in the room might remember. But, but years ago, there was this fad like running through churches like wildfire trying to figure out when Jesus was going to return. Well, Jesus is coming back this day, at this hour, at this time. Like... In the year 2000, Jesus is coming back. Like the world's going to go black and Jesus is coming, right? Like all the lights are going to turn off and Jesus is going to be there. 
But there was this fad trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. Here's the deal. If we try to figure out when Jesus is coming back, we're going to look like this guy. Like, seriously. Like, y'all have seen all the memes, right? I wanted to make a meme like, this is when Jesus is coming back. And I wanted to post it, but I'm like, oh, Lord, people take that too seriously nowadays. But this is what we look like trying to figure out when Jesus will come back. Jesus himself says that no one knows the time or the hour. Are we in the last days? Absolutely. Why do I say that? Because the, the, the timeline of when Jesus ascended into heaven, moving forward... It's considered the last days. We're, we are truly living in the last days, but no one knows the time or the hour. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says this, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, check this, I don't know if you've ever read this before, nor the Son, but the Father only. Zach Witt doesn't know. You don't know. Scripture says that even Jesus doesn't know when he's supposed to come back. Only the Father knows. Only the Father. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, but brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. L- let me read verse 2 again. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come. Not when it will come, but that it will come. The disciples knew that the end was coming you and i if we step into a relationship with jesus we know that jesus is coming back if you read the book you know that he's coming back we know that he will come we just don't know when he will come peter writes in second peter chapter 3 verse 10 but the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night and the heavens will pass away with a roar and then john writes in revelation chapter 3 verse 3 remember then what you received and heard keep it and repent So as we read through this book, as we study the scripture, what I hope that we recognize is that we will receive it, we will hear it, we will keep it, and then we'll repent. Listen to the words of Jesus found in John chapter 14. This is the ERV version. It reads like this. This helper is the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name. I leave you peace. It is my own peace I give you. I give you peace in a different way than the world does. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You heard me say I am leaving, but I will come back for you. Can can I encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, man, we have the tendency to look at life, to look at society, to look at culture, and to go, well, it's all going to pot. Well, we have this society, we have this tendency to think like, man, I can't even step outside my door without being affected by what culture is doing. Listen, Jesus says it's going to get bad, but then he says, hey, don't worry about it. Why? Because I'm coming back. Hey, are you going to face troubles? Are you going to face tribulation? Yes, but guess what? There's this guy named Jesus that overcame all that, and he's coming back. Too, too, often, too often as Christ followers, what we do is this. We'll read the Gospels, and we, we, we like celebrate. Yes, this guy named Jesus was born. He lived a perfect and blameless life. He was hung on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead, and we celebrate. But if we're not careful, we stop there. Like, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every Easter. We want to celebrate this resurrection. But then we forget that he's coming back. Like, the resurrection wasn't the end of the story. Is is the resurrection a climactic part? Absolutely. Is it the main part? No, there's another one. He's coming back. And if we're not careful, what we do is we stop there. 
Too many Christ followers are stopping there. What does it look like for Jesus to return? We want to know and read and understand the Jesus of the Gospels, but we don't take the time to read the Jesus of Revelation. It's his character. It's both and. You can't have one without the other. It's the same guy. But we often stop in the Gospels. According to Jesus, our time is best spent not speculating, but serving. Not worrying, but in working. Think of the book of Acts. Jesus has just ascended into heaven. And the angels say this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Did Jesus go to heaven? Yeah. But he's coming back. Are we in the last days? Yeah. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. But take heart. There's a guy named Jesus that's coming back. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your gender, whether it be male or female. I'll say that again, whether it be male or female. It doesn't matter. The spirit is poured out on all flesh. Has anybody ever heard the nautical saying, uh, red at night, sailors delight, red in morning, sailor take warning? Anybody ever? So y'all thought like a sailor came up with that? No, Jesus came up with that. I don't know if you ever read that before, but let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him, him being Jesus, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Oftentimes when we, when we read through the book of Revelation, we're like, God, just give me a sign. Like, I just want to know, like, I want to I know what's going on. But they asked for a sign from heaven. And Jesus answered, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a stormy day, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. See, everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to see behind the curtain. Even the disciples, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3, they said this, Now he sat at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will the sign be of your coming, and of the end of the age. And then if we drop down to verse 13, Jesus responds with this. He says, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is saying, hey, the gospel's got to be preached regardless of when I come back. And you can read between those lines. My question is, are we expanding the kingdom of God or are we just sitting in our chairs on Sunday mornings? Are, are we truly telling people or revealing who Jesus is to our community, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family members, or do we just come to church and consume on a Sunday morning? See, too often, the global church will show up, sit in a seat, consume a little bit, feel good about themselves, and not go out and do the work of revealing who Jesus is to people. If we keep looking, what else is being revealed? I truly believe this. It's the true condition of things. Revelation chapter 1, verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. To all that he saw, we have seen a lot of stuff happening in our world. And what I know is this, when things are exposed to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, their true condition 
is revealed. I, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but um, last two years have been a little crazy, a little unique. But, but this is what I've recognized. 2020 might have been like an apocalyptic year, and it revealed a lot. There was an unveiling or a new revealing of what's happening. Part of what I believe that we're seeing in our culture and in, in our society is the revealing of the evil that was always there. It's not that these things weren't there, but the closer you get to Jesus, the more that is being revealed. Are we living in the last days? Absolutely. Are we closer today than we were two years ago to Jesus coming back? Absolutely. So the closer that we get to Jesus on, on our timeline, then the more that, that will be revealed to us. What, is that, what does that really mean? So if this stuff was always there, that, that meant there, there's always evil people in the world. There are always evil corporations in the world. There were already evil nations and evil governments. There were already evil motives. I would venture to say there were already evil churches and evil ministries. There were evil systems that were always there. We're just getting closer to Jesus, so they're being revealed. If it's this progressive revelation that we have to understand, then things are going to be continuously revealed in the world that we're living in, and it's hard to acknowledge. In fact, to me, it can be a little infuriating. To, to me, if we're not careful, it can leave us a little jaded, especially as Christ followers. But we have to understand it was already there. It was just being revealed. So ask yourself some real and, and honest questions. What's been revealed the past two years about our world, about our society, about the culture that we live in? Over, over the past two years, what's been revealed to you about you? It's like nobody wants to answer that. Nobody wants to, like, any takers? <laughs> Anybody want to slip their hand up and tell me what's going on in their life? O over the past two years, what's been revealed about your relationship with Jesus? I tell you what, there's a group that I'm involved in every Thursday morning, 6.15. We meet at Good Drip Coffee in downtown Davidson group of guys this past Sunday or this past Thursday we had 22 guys in our small group thing ain't so small anymore but what what's revealed to me is that the more that I surround myself with good people the more that I surround myself with like-minded people who want to understand who Jesus is the more that I learn the, the better that I am what's been revealed to you about your relationship with Jesus hopefully what's been revealed is you realize you can't do it alone nor were you created to do it alone I know Pastor Keith mentioned this earlier. He's going to mention again at the end of the service. We have our, our, group, our group launch coming up September 11th. Hopefully one of those things that's been revealed to you is that you need other people. I need other people. It's one of the things that was revealed to me over the past couple years. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen something that you thought was one color and then it's like not that color at all? I, I know I'm being a little vague. I, where, I, I was... Uh, when was I on an airplane? It wasn't yesterday. Oh, I was coming back from a, a trip. I went and spoke at a banquet last week. And uh, I was, you know, people have to put their bags everywhere. And this guy was like two or three rows ahead of us. And, and he looked back and he goes, hey, can you grab that green bag for me? I'm like, yeah, 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 man. <laughs> I'm like, ain't no green bag over here. He's like, that one right there, it's a green one. The, the green one right there. It's like, this one? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, that one's not green. I was like, I know that. <laughs> point out the night, I, this bag, yeah, yeah, that one. 
I pulled it out, and what was funny is like the four people that were like looking for this like mysterious green bag, when I pulled it out, the bag was definitely blue. Like my man just realized for the first time in his life that he was colorblind. So I'm like passing him like, this is not green, buddy. Like this this is a blue bag. Uh, anybody ever feel that way about the color white? Anybody ever painted their house and you like got like these white, these white colors? Th- this is what I know. I don't know if you know this or not, but but like white, white can be so obscure sometimes. Like you think you're wearing a white shirt until you stand next to someone who's wearing a shirt that's more white. Like like you think your teeth are white until you stand next to somebody in a picture and they have like some really white teeth. Like you know what I'm talking about? But what about what about paint colors? It's like you thought you picked out like a white to paint your wall and then all of a sudden you see all these versions of of white. So in terms of paint colors, Benjamin Moore has 152 different shades of white. Bear, Bear has 167 different shades of white. PPG, anybody want to guess? 315 different shades of white. Y'all been watching too much DIY stuff. They just keep coming up with new colors of white. But that's what happens. That's what happens when we get close to Jesus. And I thought I was clean. I thought I had my life figured out. I, I, I thought I was pure. I thought I had some holiness in me. But then the closer we get to Jesus, the, the more that's being revealed. We realize that we're not even close when Jesus brings us close to him, what do we realize first? We realize our brokenness. We realize our filthiness. We realize our shortcomings. We, we realize, inevitably, we, we realize our sin. We realize where we fall short. But then Jesus gives us this offer. He goes, hey, because I'll trade you. I'll trade you yours for mine. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Though your sin is like scarlet, They will be as white as snow, though they are as red as crimson, they will become like wool. The main thing that we have to understand about the book of Revelation is that it's absolutely the best trade ever. Why does Jesus come back? He comes back to get us. He comes back so we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. Why does he come back? We have to go to the beginning of the book. You'll hear me say this for the next 10 weeks. We have to go back to the beginning. The reason that Jesus was born, the reason that he comes back is because God wanted a relationship with humanity like it was in the Garden of Eden. It's the eschaton. It's the fullness of taking the beginning and the end and bringing it to where we are. And I'll dive into that and unpack some of those those terms over the next few weeks. But that's why Jesus is coming back. It's the best trade ever. It's not like when the Panthers traded Cam for Sam Darnold. It's where you laugh. Some of y'all are like, no, I'm still mourning that. It's not like the Hornets trading Kobe Bryant for Vlad Divac. How many people just realized today that the Hornets drafted Kobe Bryant? Anybody ever know? Like, the Hornets literally, some of y'all are like, I don't want to put my hand up. The, the, the Hornets literally drafted Kobe Bryant and then traded him to the Lakers for this guy named Vlad Divac. Like, what, what's going, like, what could Charlotte have been, right? We could have rings on rings on rings. Like those, are, those are terrible trades. But that's not the type of trade that Jesus is saying. Jesus is like, no, 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 I want all of your junk. I want all of your brokenness. 
I want you to draw close to me. I want it to be revealed how broken you are. Why? So that I can train you. Why? So that you can step into a relationship with the Father. Why? So that when I come back, then I can take you home. I'll, I'll trade you. I'll trade you what you have for what I have. Jesus takes all my failure. He takes all my guilt. He takes all of my shame. And I get clothed in his righteousness. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. This is kind of where we're going to land the plane today. We're one weekend. We got through three verses. But blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Are we in the last days? Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus has already ascended into heaven. So after his ascension, everything else after is the last days. But those last five words can be a little confusing for the time is near. If we break down what near means in the original Greek, the time is near, it begs the question, when is near? The definition of near in this context means in place or ready. So break that down a bit more. When John is writing, and what we have to recognize is this, everything is already in place. Everything in this moment is ready. Jesus could come back at any moment, at any hour, at any second, because everything is already in place. So we have to plan like Jesus is coming back in a thousand years. Well, Zach, that doesn't make sense to what you just said. Let me unpack that a bit further. In the first century, there were people who, who would, they, they knew Jesus. They knew the stories of Jesus. Some of them even walked with Jesus. But what they did is they went up to the, the hillside and they were expecting Jesus to return immediately. They weren't working they weren't raising their kids. They weren't saving for their future. They weren't building homes. They weren't building careers. They weren't studying. They weren't making art. They would literally walk up to this hillside and just stand there and wait and wait and wait and wait. And I feel like it's this comatose that the global church, if we're not careful, will kind of fall into. I'm just waiting on Jesus to come back. I've already got my get out of hell free card, so... I'm good with the man upstairs, so I'm just going to wait on him to come back. And we just wait and wait and wait. And church, can I tell you, that's not biblical. In fact, you know what that is? That's a cult. It is, because what does, Paul, what does Paul tell them to do? Paul tells them to get to work. See, the book of Revelation, it isn't there to scare us. It's there to encourage us. Okay, Zach, so if we're in the last days, then, then what should we really do? How should we really act? Listen, if you're a student, go to school. If you have the opportunity, travel the world. Listen, get, get married, have a family, start a business, save for retirement, plan like Jesus won't come back for another thousand years, but be ready like he's coming back today. Listen, li live your life. What does is, what is Jesus say? Or what does scripture say in, in, in the Old Testament? Be fruitful and Multiply. Jesus references it when he's going through his ministry. He says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. Live your life, but live your life expanding the kingdom. 
live your life today. Like, build a family. Like, I love the fact that, that Jenna and I have this family. Like, we're together and, and we're growing our girls. And, and shame on me if I stop growing my girls and stop raising my family and go, hey, Jesus, when are you coming back? No, no, no. I'm going to focus on, on what's here and now. And I'm going to be ready for Jesus to come back. But before he does, I'm going to tell my girls because I want my girls up there with me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Plan. Plan as if he's not coming back for a thousand years. But be ready like he's coming back today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Being ready truly starts with giving your heart to Jesus. I'll read it again. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Remember then what you received and heard. What did you receive today? What, what did you hear today? Scripture goes on. John goes on to write this. He says, keep it. Keep what you heard today. Remember what you heard today. Receive what you heard today. Keep it. The last two words. And repent. Hey, maybe you're in this room and you would say, Zach, man, there's... There's some things that I need to get right with Jesus. There's some things that I need to, to repent for. Can I be honest with you? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But all across this room, if you're saying, Zach, man, there's some things that I just need to repent for in my life. I just need to get it right with Jesus. Maybe you, I would say this is for the people who already have a relationship with Jesus. You say, man, I, there's just a few things that I need to repent for. And again, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand just so I can pray over you. I'm not going to ask you to open your eyes or call you up front. But if you're saying, Zach, there's some things in my life that I just need to repent for. On the count of three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Can I tell you that if your hand is up, you are not alone. Put those hands right back down. Lord, man, you saw the hands that went up. Lord, you even saw the people who wanted to slip up their hand, but they were just a little embarrassed because they didn't want anybody to see their hand go up. And they didn't want, they, they think that, uh, that you don't already know what they need to repent for. But Lord, I pray that that as we go through this series, as you are revealed to us more and more, I pray that you would also reveal the things that we need to repent for. And I pray that that word wouldn't scare us. I pray that we would recognize that you're standing in front of us going, hey, I'll trade you. I'll trade you what you got for what I got. Lord, I pray that we would trade our brokenness, our sin, our fears, and our failure for your righteousness. And then maybe you're in this room and you've never fully stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Man, we believe at Multiply Church that the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life is to step into a relationship with the Father. And that starts with repenting. The Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died on the cross for your sin that he rose and that he's coming again, that you will be saved. Maybe for you today, that was a progressive revelation. Maybe for you today, that was the revealing that you needed to hear, that you needed to feel, and you needed to see. If that's you, again, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you, not gonna call you forward, but we're gonna say a prayer collectively together. If you would say, Zach, man, that's me. I need to step into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe I need to rededicate my life, or man, maybe it's for the first time. On the count of three, slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. 
then you can just slip that hand right back down. Wow. And if we could say this prayer together, can we say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for the hands that went up for the people who stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Listen, the Bible says that heaven is absolutely rejoicing right now. That was a weak clap. Can you clap one more time for the people who just stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.